Well, it is a joy to uh, come before you this morning to teach from Psalm chapter 1, one of my favorite psalms. I will say, I was thinking of Steve this morning as I added to my notes and started to remind me that there's probably never a sermon that gets preached by any teachers, I think, who we love and respect that they ever feel like is done. There's probably always more. Uh, I was talking to a swimmer friend the other day, and uh, I hadn't talked to him in about 10 years. He was a guy that won a gold medal in 2000. He went away from the sport. He came back in 2016 at the age of 35, and he won the gold medal in the 50 free, which is just the one lap. He's still training, and we were talking, and he doesn't know the Lord. He came to my wife and I, Stacy's at my wedding, and he grew up in Valencia. And so I've known him, and we've talked about the Lord over the years. So I talked to him about that a little bit as well. I said, where, where have you, where, what, are you what are you doing spiritually these days? Because I knew he had studied all sorts of different, all the different religions. But we had discussed that like, uh, like any competitor, you've, you never have the perfect race. Um, much like this morning, you always, I'm sure I'll be left thinking of things that we could have added to the things that we teach. But I'm encouraged. This psalm has been sitting by my bed since... I think uh, either the week that my wife and I were married or the first year of our marriage, I know when I left to go swim, my wife, I was going to be gone for about a month right after I made the Olympic team, and she gave me a picture of her and myself and then this psalm because I would read it every day and every night just to remind myself of what a blessed man is in a world that says blessings are something other than what this psalm says. So I'm going to go ahead and open by reading this psalm. You feel free to turn to it, or I believe I have it written up. Let me see if I have it written up here. There we go. It's a little bit cut off, but... All right, Psalm chapter 1, The Way of the Righteous and the Wicked is the subtitle. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like the chaff the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. When I talk with people all around, you know, this isn't the most uh, maybe hard to understand psalms. I know many of us, most of us have probably read it a hundred times or you kind of know it by heart or whatever it might be it's not the most complicated one we have a picture here right and i tell people i was just talking to a number of guys just uh last just a couple days ago on thursday and took them to the psalm i said hey if you want to know a number of these guys are very successful from the world's eyes i said hey we're and, and and we were coming together for a little a little bible study i said hey uh what does the world call success? What does the world call blessed? When you look around, and many of the people that I was speaking with would have or have had those things in their life, whether it's been because they were born in the right family that had those things, or whether they'd achieved it on their own, they would have what the world would call success, and yet they were sitting there, and we were sitting there knowing that they wouldn't necessarily say that they were blessed because of the choices and the decisions they've made. When we look at this, we say, blessed is the man. What's another word for blessed? You guys tell me. Happy. What would you say? Happy also. It is. It's happy. Happy is the man. I, tell, I, say, I say, if you want to know, if you want to look up in the dictionary, the blessed man or blessed, just turn to Psalm chapter 1. You'll find out how to be blessed. Not just what it means, not just what it is, but how to be blessed. Who desires to be blessed? Anybody in this room? Who desires your family to be blessed? 
your, your spouse, your kids. As I tell many parents or many friends, I say, what, and even giving them the gospel, who does God describe himself as? He described himself as our heavenly father. How many of your, your, your fathers, in their heart of hearts, what do they want for you, their children? They want you to be blessed, right? Now, many of them might not have taught us the right ways to be blessed. They might not have taught us the things of God's word, but many of us might have taught us. They loved the Lord, and so they knew what blessings were. Society won't do that for us, though, will it? It won't teach us what blessed is. So as we look at verse 1 here, we have kind of the negative thing. First, though, blessed is the man. Happy is the man. You could almost put a colon there, you know. Happy is the man, blessed is the man, much like in a dictionary. You look up a thing, has the word, and then it has a little colon. We're going to get the definition. First, we get the negative here. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So, we think, uh, all right, this is a, a picture we can understand. You're walking along a path, and then you're standing with someone, and then you're sitting. So, you, you take yourself back to when this was written. You know, they weren't... They weren't necessarily all driving around in cars or flying around in jets. What were they doing? Where would they go? How would they get places? They would walk, right? Walk everywhere. Now, do you think, if you put yourself back in those days, were they more individualistic? Were they more like America where I'm going to have my, you know, small little 2,000 square foot house or whatever in America, you know, we think in the rest of the world. This morning, we were out front a little bit. My kids were jumping on a trampoline, and one of our neighbors just graduated from high school. And they have some family in town from Northern California, and we go over often to their house to eat. And One of the family members has not adopted, but has a, a guy from, he just graduated high school as well, Eritrea, which is like northeastern Africa, right next to Ethiopia and Sudan. I took the kids in and looked it up on the, uh, on the Internet. And we had dinner on, on Friday night, and Dax, one of my kids, we got home. He says, Dad. You know that brown guy at church at tonight at the other guys? That was, it was kind of interesting for me to even ha- have him describe it as that, which uh, biblically we would say, and as I'm, I'm a big, I enjoy Ken Ham and Answers in Genesis, we're all brown. We're either darker or lighter, right? Depending on where we live, we all were made in God's image. The same, just a little darker pigment or not. not. So it's it kind of funny to hear him say, is he from Africa? He speaks with a very strong accent. I said, he is, actually. He just moved here a couple of years ago. He says, well, i got some questions to ask him. Dax and the boys, they love to watch the most dangerous animals, you know, you know, program. Hudson's like, I don't like that one. It scares me. Dax is like, I love watching that one. You know, like, man. He's like, Dad, you know that there's killer bees? I mean, not just bees, but killer bees. So he was out this, this morning Mezzi is his name. He was out this morning playing with the dog. I said, Dax, you can ask him questions now. So we started to ask him. I said, hey, Mezzi, what kind of house do you live in? Are your houses the same in Eritrea? And I really didn't know. I imagined they weren't exactly the same. And he kind of looked around. We had asked him. He lived here for five years. So he moved here, you know, five years ago, and he's 18 years old. So he grew up most of his life. And he was smuggled out of Eritrea. He has a very interesting, neat story. And uh, he's a runner because he would run to school every day, an hour. We sat there and talked to him for a while. Every morning, every night, he'd run. He looks at the houses. He says, you know, no, they're not really like these houses. Uh, we make our own houses. We make them from, from wood and from trees and stuff. And he says, we don't, we don't have TVs. We don't, we don't have lights. We don't have electricity. Here my kids sitting here like looking and he says we just I said well how do you light your house then we just we make fires in the middle I said so how many rooms do you have in your house oh well we just, we just have one good room for our, for our family and and then and then we might have another family if we make a little bit bigger one and then we'll have an area he's standing there like in our front yard this little where with some flowers and that's where we'll put the animals because the lions come at night or the hyenas and we can hear them screaming to come try to get to our animals and we get up in the middle of the night and we we go and get after them so it's a different world right even today 
but you take yourself back biblically into these days, what did people do a lot of together? Was it individualistic? Did every kid in Mezzi's family today have their own room? It just reminded me as I was reading this and trying to put myself back into what, what we're reading here into the day. That day, it was much more communal. It was much more people did things together. So as you look at that, you say, okay, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked? Who are we, who are we commuting with? Who are we, who are we spending time with as we walk? As you walk along the path, what do we do? You meet people, right? You meet people in life. When you're out and about in life, when you stay home, you don't really meet anyone, you're there. But when you, when you go out in life, you're meeting lots of people. You're doing business, you're going shopping, you're getting things. When you think of counsel, how many of you think of yourselves, and I know us in our church, we think of ourselves a little bit more in this way, but how many of you think of yourselves as a counselor? They didn't have a whole lot of psychologists back then or, or counselors that they would go to, you know, and pay for an hour session for counseling or whatnot to, to have some sort of, you know, whether it be psychiatric help or whatnot. They're talking about who? Their family members, their friends. We all are giving counsel. We all are, are counselors to someone and yet also listening. So the picture of walking along, and we've, I think most of us have heard this before, but if you're walking along with someone and you meet somebody, think of the last person that you met that maybe you're getting to know a little bit more. What's the next step? We met some people last night. What did we do? I got their phone number. Hey, let's get together. We can get together and grab lunch or grab a cup of coffee because there was a common interest. Hey, that'd be interesting to discuss or whatnot. Let's, let's chat. So now what do we do? First we met, and then we stood there for 15, 20 minutes to talk. All right, why? Because you could tell. Now there's some other people last night that we met that, um, you know, I just, hey, how's it going? Within the first minute or two, you're just like, you know, <laughs> we're probably on a different different path here. It's probably not a whole lot that uh, we might have in common immediately, or or they might think the same thing. Maybe things that you bring up, especially if you're hopefully talking about things of the word that they might just say hey it was good to meet you i wish you well i'm going to go ahead and walk on a different path over here and you know we don't want to do that to be obnoxious right we just want to do that because we love people because we know the truth because we know the true way of the blessed man so again we're walking along this path the path of life we meet people then we're standing with them and then we're also the next step is to sit down with them. And now we're spending more time to discuss the things that we already discussed when we were standing with them and when we first met them as we were walking along that path. So we really want to look at, you know, the way of the wicked, the sinners and the scoffers. As we see that term sinners, we're all sinners, right? We all, so that's not talking about, thanks James, I forgot to move my slide. We're not talking about, you know, you can't talk to stand or sit with anyone, right? Because we're all sinful. As we think of the life of Christ, what do we think uh, Christ did? Did he just go hang out with the Pharisees, with the most religious of the religious? Who did he go to hang out with? Sinners, right? But what was his purpose? What was his, what was his driving heart desire? To see them be saved. To love them. So, I want to encourage us, even as we look at verse 1, when we think of the word counsel, I want to encourage us to think about the counsel that we give to others and the counsel that we receive. And I want us to remind ourselves that that counsel is just in our everyday discussions. Uh, We are very often uh, probably too timid out of fear of what others might think of what we say. And we, uh, we have limited opportunities to make sure to love those around us, especially those we might not encounter again because our paths are on different paths. And they can tell that or we can tell that immediately, but to love them with that counsel. So as we move on to verse 2, 
I'll read verse 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. A couple key words here, delight and meditate. You guys tell me, I remember the first class we had at Master's uh, in which I heard this verse. Or I heard the word meditate, not necessarily this verse, but we had the discussion of meditate. And I really, honestly, was weirded out. I thought of like Yoda, you know, like Star Wars. When he had, he, he had the, uh, Luke Skywalker had to really think hard to lift the ship out of the water. I don't know if you guys have seen some of that. I'm getting some blank looks at me like, what are you talking about? But I really honestly thought like, what is meditate? You know, this is kind of weird. This is a weird, <laughs> it felt uncomfortable at first. So what are we talking about when we talk about the word meditate? Think, ponder, turn over, to chew on, to dwell on, chewing on a cud, like a cow just sitting there, thinking about it all day. So that's meditate. What about delight? When you think of the word delight, what what pops into your mind? What do you delight in? To give joy? When you think of personally, my wife made French toast this morning. I delight in French toast. I greatly, from my youth to, to even today, you know, there's a few things, there's a few different, homemade ice cream on a hot sunny day, like, you know, that's great. And I, I don't think I'm still hungry. I don't know why food is popping into my head, but... There's a few things in life, right, that you think of that is like, wow, that is like, let's say delight would also maybe, maybe even have the, the connotation of peaceful, a peaceful joy, where you're able to really enjoy something. So, so the blessed man is not the one who's walking and standing and sitting with sinful people, but his joy is in the law of the Lord. It's almost an excitement too, right? Your delight, it's like, it's, this isn't just something that I, that I, enjoy there's lots of things that i enjoy it's like an excited enjoyment like oh this is a little special this is something that i really enjoy it's different than the other things that i enjoy in life so when we think about this verse is it that complicated to what we should enjoy Psalm 37, verse 4. I'm sure many of you have that memorized as well. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you desires of your heart. That's a verse that can be very easily taken out of context, right? What are we delighting ourselves in? In the Lord. When we look at Psalm also 119, you could really read the whole psalm. I am going to read the first uh, number of verses here. Blessed, the same word here, happy, is the one whose way is blameless, who walks in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who keep them with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight 
as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I'm a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You can read on and on. My soul is consumed. Does it sound like he's meditating on God's word? Does he sound like he's delighting in God's word? Let's also just look at Psalm 19, another familiar passage. When we think of God's word, when we think of delighting in the law of the Lord, which law is that that we're going to delight in? What is his law? It's all of his word, right? It's his whole, it's whole law. Verse 7, the law of the Lord. What is it? It's perfect. And what does it do to our souls? It restores it. It revives it. The testimony of the Lord. What's the testimony of the Lord? The law, his word. It's sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord. Again, all of these words for God's word. They are right and they rejoice the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. It brings light to our eyes. It enlightens our eyes. This is why the man who meditates on God's word is blessed, correct? Who, who would like to live with a revived soul every day of your life, every moment of your life? Revived, truly revived. The only way we could be truly revived is through what? Through living and loving and obeying the word of God. We're simple people, but we can be made wise by what? His word. Having a heart that is filled with rejoicing. Does it say when things are going well? No. Scripture speaks to that, right? James, have joy during trials, knowing what they produce. To have our eyes enlightened, the fear of the Lord, verse 9, is clean and it endures forever. Nothing is ever going to change from God's word, right? His precepts and his laws and his rules that he teaches us, all of a sudden, it's not going to be a new game and something that's in here is not true. You know, it's like I see my kids play Foursquare and, and they change the rules. Like whoever is in the fourth square, I guess they're allowed to change what's legal and illegal by how they bounce the ball. Or I go, no, 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 no. Because right after the fact, oh, I thought I thought that one was okay, and so you're still out. <laughs> We're just going back to the basic rules, whatever they are. Verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, and sweeter also than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, by God's law, your servant is warned, and in keeping them, there is great reward. Verse 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So again, our delight, our joy, is in the law of the Lord. It is in God's word. And on his word we meditate. We should be meditating day and night. That is the blessed man. What will he be like? We go on to verse 3 here. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and in all that he does he prospers. So as we were going to church this morning we, we, we were praying and we were thinking about yesterday we had our first swim meet of the season and it was in beautiful Wasco. we have anyone from Wasco in here that drives? Wasco's our favorite swim meet of the year, honestly. Why do you think it's our favorite swim meet of the year? They're on Saturdays from now through the middle of July. Taft, Shafter, Wasco, whatever. 
Taft is our least favorite. It's like not not I, my parents, my whole family's from Taft. It's a beautiful pool, and it's cement city all around. Wasco is the middle of a park, and there are these trees that were planted 30 years ago, and they are big and lush. You don't even need to bring canopies. My wife's like, we don't even have, we don't have to load canopies for this one. Why? You just go set your trees, your chairs under a tree. What's cooler to send her, a canopy or a tree? A tree, because the bl- wind blows through it. The leaves allow the hot air to go. I mean, it's just like amazing. We were talking yesterday with other people. It's much better to have every meat here in Wasco. People kind of laugh at first, and then they go, you're not kidding. It's just, it's really nice, because the trees. So as we think about Again, put ourselves back in time to where this was written. You know, what do trees produce? Fruit. What else do they produce? Shade. Oxygen. A lot of things that they didn't even know at this time that we rarely think of. But yeah, very valuable things in oxygen. When it's rainy, we say shade. When it's sunny and when it's raining, they provide shelter. To our friend this morning from Eritrea, it's what they use to build their house, right? But this is talking to a planted tree here, or a tree that is planted. Now, how does a tree get there? Who puts it there? Sometimes God, in our day and age, we, we, we put them there, right? We, we do it. Birds carry the seed, and they plant it, and they plant it where they have. Have any of you ever had a, a, a tree in your yard that you didn't plant? How did that get there? plenty of them so that's an interesting thing even in MacArthur's study notes there it talks a little bit about that right but we have to remember that everything comes from the Lord right we can clone things these days right someday we might even be able to clone a dinosaur is it out of nothing no it's out of something that God made it's out of something that he might have taken and kept we're not making anything it's the Lord who does this it's the Lord who plants what is this man? What is truly the blessed man you and I know? It's the man who knows God. It's the man who loves God. It's the man who understands he's a sinner and he needs to repent and trust in the Lord. So that is the truly blessed man. When you think of this tree, it does have leaves, as we talked about, which brings shade. And as you just sit there and you could just ponder that for a while and just think about that, all that the Lord provides out of a simple tree, what kind of fruit does it yield? What kind of fruit should we yield? That's right. What kind of tree? What kind of tree as believers? What kind of fruit should we be yielding? What was that? The fruits of the spirit. It's great having kids. <clears throat> Your memorizing gets so much easier when they have these songs that come home for Christmas or whatever it might be. fruit of the spirit what do they love joy peace can you imagine a tree that bears that who wants to sit underneath that tree or who wants to be that tree you know that's what the blessed man is like right why because we're meditating on god's word if you just think about every single one of those attributes of those fruits blessed is the man who meditates on god's word because he's going to bear love as his fruit What does love do, as we know? It covers all sin, right? What is love? It's patient. I've been thinking about that a lot lately as I talk with my children. I see myself sometimes not being patient on certain things. And then I just see some way that the Lord was just extremely patient with me. (laughs) I'm like, I'll go in and talk to my kid whichever one it might be, and just uh, repent and say, you know, I don't even know if getting angry, you did sin. So I'm not one to declare righteous anger. And it's like, you know, listen, you got you should have picked up the poop. It was yesterday morning. I tell you, every time you do it, you don't just pick it up. You got to take it to completion. You either put it in a bag and put it in the trash. Just don't leave it sitting out there or whatever, you know. And okay, Dad, I'm sorry, you know. So later talked to him. 
Hudson, I want you to know I've done that a lot of times in different ways, and the Lord is patient with me. And we are thankful for that. So what kind of tree should we, be, should we be producing? The man who loves the Lord, the blessed man who meditates on his word, is producing spiritual fruit. And he's producing it all the time. When you think of this last part, its leaf does not wither. When do leaves wither? In the fall? When else? How hot is it going to be today? We have a big one in our yard. Gardener came yesterday morning. By the afternoon, I'm like, I don't even know if the gardener came. There's a bunch of magnolia leaves all over the ground. So when we think about this, in Bakersfield, they just it was supposed to be 103 to get today, and then we looked at it. No, now they say it's only going to be 105. Hopefully they'll yeah delete that app from my phone. I don't want to look at what it did in summer. But when does it wither? When it's hot. When it's under stress, right? When it's, when it's under pressure. When do the leaves fall off? When there's a storm. Except for the very strong tree. The one planted deeply in the Word of God. Okay, we see this. As we look at our each other, as we are friends with each other, as we pray for each other within the church, it's during trials. Is that not right? What do trials do? They cause you to either, what happens during trials here? What happens to trees during storms? Some of them, what happens? Some of them blow, fall over, die, and other ones don't. I was talking to a friend in our neighborhood. They have these pecan trees that are huge, and they were planted in like the 18, late 1880s. And uh, somebody said they dug a, they dig a pool very close to one a few years ago because we were talking about how old they are and how they, they're big and they withstand. He says, and they thought they were going to dig into a ton of roots. And they did dig into plenty of roots. But what they found, I don't know exactly how they said this, they didn't finish the whole story, but they said, were the roots, they didn't get nearly as many as they thought. And there were so many roots that went like straight down. And they must go down a long ways because these things, they, they move a little bit at the top but they are very strong. They are sturdy. And they really thought that it would, it would fall down, but it didn't come close. It stands. Why is that? Because their roots are dug deep into God's Word. And friends, that's what we need to be doing, right? And the only way we can be do that, you can't be a fake tree. You can't, be, you can't have your roots, you know, trials will test where our roots are, Right? Because lots of trees can look pretty on the outside. They can all look at them and you can say, look at all these trees and they all got lots of pretty flowers on them. They can all bear fruit to one degree or another. But when you really see how strong that tree is or how deep its roots are, are only during a trial. But that trial, during that trial, is probably the biggest time that those roots can dig deeper into God's word. And that's why the Lord uses it. And that's why we're to be thankful for those. So... Let's remember that, that that's our picture. That's what we want to be like. The most exciting part to this psalm to me is as I look at this picture, there, everyone can be blessed, right? There's not any measure of success that it's just like, well, I can't be a center in the NBA. That's my goal. I just, I'm just not tall enough, whatever it might be. We all can be blessed as we dig into God's word. It's attainable, correct? For everyone who loves God, we can do this. That's why it's by my bed, because it motivates me. What is it? It revives my soul. When I get in bed some nights, and whatever might have happened that day, and I'm discouraged, my soul is revived as I meditate on the truth and simplicity of God's word. This is not hard to achieve. It's spending time in his word. So let's move on to verse 4 here. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Real quick. Chaff. I'm not the most technologically advanced guy, but I figured out how to get a picture of chaff in there. So there you go. (laughs) What is chaff worth? 
I like that being burned up. We're going to bring that picture in in a minute. Well, not a picture, but in our minds. Chaff's worth nothing, right? The wind blows it away. It's on the top of the wheat. On the top. Is that right, Daryl? On the top of the wheat? Yeah. Make sure I got my crops right. The wind blows and it blows it away. Is it the seeds? No, it's like the thing around the seeds. Is that that picture? Uh, that's not. There's no seeds in there, right? It's like the shell. It's really not. You know, it's going to return to dirt. It's not worth. It's not worth much. I don't know what flies are worth, but sometimes I don't feel like they're worth much either. I'm like, Lord, I don't know why you made them, but it's got to be some reason. <laughs> Just to be look forward to heaven, maybe. Another reminder. Chaff might have been made, and well, we know. <coughs> we know it protects. Protects the plant as it grows a little bit, but in the end, it's not worth anything. So the wicked will not stand, or, or the wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. So as we look at the chaff, we say, okay, it's not useful for much, except, as Anne said, to be used for fire. <clears throat> you could start a good fire with chaff, right? You think if a pile of chaff is sitting there and a little spark matches that, what's going to happen? It's going to burn pretty good and pretty quickly. So, Back to that verse one, the comparison who also who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, and here the wicked are, they are like the chaff. What is their wisdom? What is their counsel worth? It's it's worth not not just nothing, it's a danger. Who wants to plant their house, plant their tree next to a pile of chaff? The next storm comes, the next lightning strikes, guess whose house is burning down also? Okay? It's dangerous. As we would tell our kids from shepherding a child's heart. He had to have this story, uh, you know, there's the circle of blessing that you live in. As you obey mom and dad, you live in a home where when you obey our rules, you have more blessings. You don't run out of the street, you're not going to get hit by a car. You don't do foolish things, you just have more blessings. Even for those kids who don't know the Lord. They live within a circle of blessing as they obey, really ultimately they're obeying God's word. Even if they don't know the Lord. But when you exit that circle, when you disobey, what happens to you? We took it. It's dangerous. Dangerous things can happen when you disobey God's word, as we know, as we're teaching our children. When you disobey mom and dad, there are dangerous things. I've told you, don't climb up that high in the tree or whatever it might be. Don't run out in the street. Um, don't, you know, fight with your brother doing that or this. Dangerous things could happen. One of the dangerous things is is your bottom can end up with some redness on it. That's the one that they're most I'm not fearful of, but they recognize that. They understand that pain very well. So the wicked are not so, but they're like the chaff that that the wind drives away. It's a dangerous place to live, living with the wicked living in the counsel of them, living near them, and pursuing that. Our question is, as we think about that, we think about trials that come in life that blow the chaff away, that the wind drives, and it blows the worthlessness away. As you think through Psalms, as you think through the Old Testament, the Lord's going to defend the boundary of the Righteous, the one who obeys, but he's going to tear down the house of the wicked. You think of on Christ the solid rock I stand. You think of the pictures of, of Matthew of building your house on the the what? The stone or the on the rock versus the sand. <clears throat> Nothing happens until the trials come. And that's when you see what's worth what's worthwhile, what's worth something, and what's not. So we want to be wise. We want to be careful of who we hang out with. And yet at the same time, we have to be reminded of what the Lord came to do. He came to be with sinners, but it was for a specific reason. He hung out with disciples, one of them not loving him, and yet looking at them. He spent a lot of time with them, but he also went out into the world. 
Look at verse 5 and 6. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So Steve went through Revelation here. Pastor Steve, a couple, it's been probably a year now that he's finished up. The wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. What is this, uh, what is the conclusion of this story as we know, as we look at it as life, through all of life? What's going to happen? What's going to happen in the end? It's a good picture, the sheep and the goats. Let's turn to Revelation 19. start in verse 11 and just read through the end of the chapter. Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which it strikes down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God, to eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and the riders, the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him, who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured. And with it, the false prophet, who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were were gorged with their flesh. You know, as I thought about the chaff, as I thought about the wicked... That's the mind. That's the picture that came to my mind. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment. Will anything stand against the name of the Lord? No. Nor sinners in the congregation of the the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked, what's going to happen? It'll perish. I tell you, I hope this encourages us on twofold. Not just for us ourselves to be meditating on God's word, and that is the most important thing because as we meditate on God's word then we know the truth of God's word to proclaim to others how many of you have friends the second thing I hope this encourages us to do is to proclaim the name of God's word to those around us how many of you have friends that believe in Jesus and they believe they're going to heaven and yet you might say I'm not sure does Satan believe in Jesus Does Satan know that Jesus is real? We must know God's word to be able to know. How many of you like this? I think it's this is an allegory, right? Is that what it is? The picture word? English teachers, where's Mrs. Collins? She's not here. Sarah, top by your mom. Right? It's It's an encouraging psalm to read, right? To know that we all can achieve this by meditating on God's word to be blessed, right? Not with all the riches of the world or this or that. No, with joy, with peace, with love. How do we get it? By meditating on God's word. How do our friends get it? Hopefully we're the opposite of verse 1. Who walk not in the counsel of the wicked. Hopefully when we're walking with each other, we're walking with, yes, we are wicked at heart. But what do we have? We have the word of God. 
as I've told people for years, why do I do any type of counseling? Because I try not to do any counseling. I try to just say, okay, let's see what God's word has to say about your circumstances. And yet I fall far short, fall short because I don't have the ultimate wisdom of how the Lord would counsel someone, but I try to do my best to open the word to see what it has to say. And if you're meditating on God's word and you know it, I was reading a, uh, a book it's called uh, Counsel from Psalm 119. It's an older book from, from J. Adams. And I wanted to read just from the very first verse. Happy are those who are complete in their way, who walk in Yahweh's law. That's verse 1. The word happy or blessed indicates that the one so designated, I like how he puts that, the one designated blessed. I'm not sure if they're designating that from the world's point of view, but no, I think, remember, this is God's word. It's from God's point of view. Who's doing the blessing? They've been designated. People don't designate themselves. They've been designated. The word happy or blessed indicates that the one so designated is walking in all areas of his life in the Lord's way. That is the only road to true happiness now, if there is one thing for which counselees are continually searching for, what is it? It's happiness. Why do people go to counseling? Because they're happy? You know, I just needed to come share with you, Pastor Darren. My joy is overflowing. And I just wanted to thank you. Darren fall over in his chair. Darren, are you there? one of your first counselees, right? There's one thing for which counselees are continuing to search for, it's happiness. The Hebrew word tam, or complete, is the equivalent of the Greek teleos, used in James 1. It does not imply sinless perfection, but rather a lifestyle, a way. In each area, growing Conform, growingly conforming to Yahweh's law. There's no area of the person's life in which the scriptures do not have some impact. The word tam is also used in Job 1 verse 1 to describe Job. It's not a small import that God makes it clear from the outset that the way to happiness is through conformity to the Bible. As I talk with my friends, as we counsel with each other, I talk with them and I say, hey, you know, what do you guys want? What do you, what are your dads? Because sometimes it'll be hard for them. What do your dads want for you? Oh, they want me to be blessed. Of course, they might not use that word, but I would say, don't they want you to be blessed? Well, absolutely. So, and what do you want for your children? Oh, I definitely want them to be blessed. Well, where does blessings come from? It comes from the word of the Lord. Where do we, how do we find happiness and joy? By planting ourselves and our, word, and our hearts deep in the Word of God. So I do encourage you, as you, to memorize God's Word, to read God's Word. Psalm 119, this book talks about, was written, and we, a number of us know this, um, most of us have heard this once or twice, as the Hebrew alphabet. Each has eight verses. And what was it meant for? To read? Or to sing? To sing, to memorize. They didn't have hundreds of thousands of copies and millions sold. So may we meditate on God's word. May we delight in God's word so that we're able to counsel in the very small issues of life, not in the 30-minute, hey, can I talk to you? I'm having a major problem. It's in the everyday interactions with we have with we have with people. I hope this is encouragement to you guys and girls, to all of you brothers and sisters. And I hope it reminds us as we meditate, if we want to be useful tools, I mean, there was about 50 other scriptures that I would think of just continuing to bring in. As you think of the body, the church is the body. When one part of your body is not as useful as it could be, you know, how many of you have had a broken bone before? And I don't mean when it's broken. I mean right after it's healed and you've had it in a cast for like six weeks. And you're like, man, the first week or something, it's still weak, right? And you're kind of like, man, it's not what it was. It's, it's, it's healed, 
kind of. It's just not what it was six weeks ago because I haven't been able to walk on it or I haven't been able to use it, and it takes a little while for it to get back. So this convicts me to say, how useful am I to the Lord in my everyday interactions if I'm not meditating on his word? And therefore, how blessed am I to be able to give wisdom? A good name is above great riches, right? And if we are known as people who love the Lord and who love each other, it starts with loving the Lord. And as we love the Lord and we love his word, we're filled with his word, and we're therefore able to dispense his word. His word, what what does it do? One of the things that revives the soul. If we are known as brothers and sisters who revive other souls, we are giving them the gospel, we are giving them wisdom, Sometimes people will be convicted and turn away and not like it, but that's the Lord's doing if we're teaching his word. I pray this has been an encouragement to you this morning uh, because it is attainable for all of those who love the Lord. And for those that don't, if there's anybody in here today that doesn't, it is through repentance. It's the only way. is to humble your heart and repent before the Lord and to put your trust in him, knowing he is the only way to salvation. Believing in Jesus As we know, Satan lived in heaven. He believes in Jesus. Satan knows he died on the cross, right? He knows it better than we do. He believes it. What does James say? The demons believe, and what do they do? When was the last time you trembled at his word? I haven't enough, that's for sure. If you know, So we must trust. We must trust in the Lord and know that he is the only way to salvation. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, I come before you knowing that the teaching with which I give does no justice to how rich your word is. Father, there's there's no amount of thanksgiving that we can give you for how great and how awesome you are, for the praise and worship that you deserve, for allowing us to be a part of your Likeness for making you, making us in your image. Father, we pray that as each of us get ready for even for this next service, as we listen to your word taught, as our children hear your word taught, and Lord, as we go home, as we live each day, as those going to Israel see and come to life things from your word, Lord, that we would meditate, think about, dwell on, that our lives would be shepherded by your word, that we would know your word more deeply. May we be encouraged. May we be provoked to righteousness. May we be persuaded even a little bit by this morning being reminded that blessed is the man who meditates on your word. Lord, for we desire to be trees planted by streams of water, yielding our fruit in season, whose leaves do not wither, and in all that we do we prosper. Lord, that is the picture of a vibrant tree. And Lord, that is our desire. Fill us with joy, knowing that we have your Holy Spirit in us, who is living and active. Humble us where we need to be humbled. Shine your light where we need to see things in our own lives that you may look, make us look more like you. We praise you and thank you in your great name. Amen.